0: I want to help women find that freedom where they are free to do what they love and what they want and feel that sense of fulfillment and be empowered. And also that freedom of those limiting beliefs.
1: Hey everybody, welcome back to another outstanding episode of For the Love of Money. I'm really excited for today's episode cuz I'm sitting now with Tiffany Carter. Now, a lot of you already know who Tiffany Carter is because she's got this incredible background as a TV news broadcaster for NBC and CBS and you know all the things. She's turned into a popular podcast host. I know a lot of you listen to her. Then she teaches, you know, women entrepreneurs how to thrive in their businesses faster. Like she removes All the barriers that slow entrepreneurs down. That's her specialty. Now she's got this really cool background, right? Because not only does she have a TV background. So she has this electric personality and knows how to reach people, but then she also has a background as a sales specialist who sold more than a hundred million dollars in sales transactions, a hundred million in sales transactions. So imagine combining that business and sales acumen. With her TV background, it's no wonder why she is so successful today. Now, being successful is just one aspect of Tiffany because she is equally a giving heart and she supports incredible causes against human trafficking and so many other things that help free women up from the things that are holding them back. She's just such a great advocate for women succeeding in every single way. Now, what you're probably gonna find really interesting is why she does this and why this means a lot to her and her story about growing up in an abusive yet wealthy household. Picture that, growing up in a household that was very wealthy yet abusive and, and what it's caused inside of her and how it manifested outside of her and the steps she had to take To get over that, and especially in her money mindset. Imagine the confusion that would come out of a household like that. So, we talk about all the steps she took to get over those limiting beliefs and how you can take those steps as well. Matter of fact, one of her favorite lessons comes down to this low self worth equals low net worth, and high self worth equals high net worth. And so, we're gonna teach you how to step into that higher self-worth so that you can then have a higher net worth. I can't wait for you to listen to this episode. So get ready, take some notes, listen up because this episode is incredible. Tiffany Carter, my friend, how are you?
0: I'm excellent. So excited to be on with you.
1: Uh, That makes two of us. I cannot wait to get into this. Like The amount of value that you have to offer everybody, especially women entrepreneurs, but really anybody who's building a business is insane. So this is going to be a good time. So here's what typically happens. On my show, I will actually start with some rapid fire questions. It's like a fun way for all the listeners to get to know you in a hurry. And then if there's something that comes up and we want to go do a deep dive on it, we'll circle back to it. Does that sound good?
0: It sounds really good. I've listened to your show a while, so I'm excited to be on oh, this Oh, you,
1: you know the routine then. That's awesome. <laughs> that's so, I love when I actually hear a guest say that. That's so badass. Okay, so you know we're starting real easy then. Where'd you grow up? Chicago. God, I love Chicago. I always say if Chicago did not have winter, that that's where we'd live. Okay, where do you live now?
0: Los Angeles.
1: I know, we're almost neighbors, by the way. Yep. Favorite quote?
0: My favorite quote would have to be, That if you don't get out of your own way, someone else will get in your way.
1: Oh, dang. I haven't heard that before. That's good. What is one of your superpowers?
0: One of my superpowers is to be able to identify someone's block in their life and or their business as something they weren't even aware that was happening. I'm able to intuitively see it and feel it and share it with them in a way that they can receive that information.
1: That is like the ultimate superpower. That makes sense why you do what you do. We're going to circle back around on that one. What's one of your favorite books?
0: Well, I could I could say Lori's book that I'm looking at, A Tribe Called Bliss. That's <laughs> one of my, that is one of that is truly one of my favorite books. Um, I would have to say right now because it changes all the time. I'm doing the Desire Map. Not sure who who on has heard of that. Yeah, I have. But right now, that's my favorite book. It changes all the time.
1: I love that. What is one thing you're challenged by right now?
0: I am challenged by by me focusing too much on the numbers and not going with my gut instinct.
1: Mm. Favorite speech or favorite advice you've ever given?
0: The best advice that I was ever given is by my father who is, who has passed. And he said, if by the time you reach the end of your life, if you can count on your one hand, your number of like true friends, then you are very, very blessed.
1: Mm, That's really good advice. Who's somebody who's changed your life?
0: There's a lot of people who have changed my life. Um, but I would say I have a wonderful, wonderful mentor that I met four years ago. And she has a gift of being able to uncover uh, limiting beliefs and things that I had that I wasn't even aware of in order for me to grow into like Tiffany 2.0. I'll forever be grateful to her.
1: Oh, I'd love it. Is she someone you can give a shout out to or no?
0: No, I cannot, which is, why, which is why I also love her.
1: Understandable. That's not
0: that's not her gig.
1: So cool. One thing that you'd change from your past? Nothing. One of your favorite accomplishments thus far?
0: Going after my second business, um, which is Project Me with Tiffany Carter, even though my first business is a seven-figure business. But I went after what scared me the most, which is... Project me with Tiffany
1: Carter. I did it anyway. There's a clue for people to follow, right? Go after what scares you the most. couple more. What is something generous you've done recently?
0: I highly support an organization called Children of the Night. It's it helps rescue children and teens off the streets from sex trafficking and puts them in safe houses. So I do a lot of work with them and anything I can do um, in that organization just lights me up. Any little thing helps.
1: So good. And the last one, what are you grateful for today?
0: I'm grateful for being able to be on your show and that I could interview you as well because I feel we both have a lot to share and a lot of value to bring people and hopefully inspired a few souls today.
1: Mm, I love that. I'm pretty sure it did. Okay, so let's go a little bit deeper now. And I want to start with this. So today you were obviously a multimillionaire or you wouldn't be on the show. And it wasn't very long ago, though, that you were living a life of, and you use your words, self-destruction and struggle. Take us back there. What was going on?
0: So I'm open about this, so some of you might cringe a little because I get very real, um, but I was raised in an abusive household. You wouldn't have been able to tell that from the outside as I was raised very wealthy, um, but there was a lot of abuse going on inside that house that went well into my teenage years. As a result of that abuse and having really nowhere to turn, right? I, I continued that abuse, but on myself. So partying, drugs, raves. <laughs> I laugh when I say that because I don't even think there's raves anymore. It's like Coachella. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I went down just a path of, you know, dating all the wrong guys, um, just being, uh, being completely out of control. But the worst part is, is, was how I treated myself and how I spoke to myself. I became an exercise addict. You know, I was constantly beating myself up about my body, and then I beat it up more by being an exercise addict. So the destruction wasn't so obvious on the outside, much like my childhood. Really interesting. Um, It was happening on the inside. From the outside, you go, Tiffany has it all. She's traveling the world. She has this job, that job. She's on TV. I was miserable and a mess. I was my own abuser.
1: So... When did you know that you were actually living in an abusive household? When did it sink in?
0: I knew that something wasn't right when I would go to sleep over at friends' houses and I saw how their parents and siblings interacted and what happened in their house and just the overall even vibe And that they were able to get like love and attention and laughs without having to exchange it for any sort of behavior. Um, I had to, in order for me to get that love and attention, I had to pay a price, whether it was through extreme, extreme chores. And I'm not saying that lightly, I'm talking very extreme chores.
1: Can you give us an example?
0: Yeah, like cleaning my mom's car with Q tips, for example. Oh, my God. I mean, that's what I mean by, yes, as a kid. I mean, that's an extreme chore or um, lavish dinner parties that like, you know, wealthy people have, except I was the servant. I know how to make every cocktail by the time I was nine, you know, with the platter and serving and doing all that. That's not normal, right? But I didn't know that wasn't normal. So my worth and my sense of feeling like someone was proud of me or loved was in exchange for me doing extreme actions.
1: I'm curious, did you ever talk to your parents about this or address this?
0: Um, my mom to this day, God bless her. She's just, she can't hear it. She just can't hear it or see it. And my father, yes, I did thankfully before, um, before he passed, but I didn't have much time between uh, me sharing this with him and when he passed away. But I'm, I'm grateful that I was able to share it with him. It was really very complex, intertwined um, sicknesses going on probably multi generational um, that I was caught up in it was it was really traumatic, but I would not take it back, which shocks a lot of people when I say that
1: wow now that that does not shock me that makes sense it 's part of your journey that makes who you are today so here 's my question You already talked about how this led to you abusing yourself internally and how it manifested in your actions and your behaviors. But here's a question that came up for me right away. Did this have any kind of effect? And if so, what did it look like on your desire to achieve or maybe not have a wealthy lifestyle growing up because here you are in a, life, a healthy lifestyle, a wealthy lifestyle, where abuse seems to be coming along with it?
0: Oh, my God. See, this is why I love you, Chris. Cause you, (laughs) this is your gift. And this is why I teach low self-worth equals low net worth. High self-worth equals high net worth. There's a reason I teach that. This came out of the journey. And you're right. There was part of me that was conditioned where I had to be the overachiever. I had to succeed in order to be worthy of being in this world, right? So I did do that. You know, I was graduated cum laude, blah, 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 all that stuff, right? There's that side of it. But those limiting beliefs, that money noise that was buried underneath all of it, was that being really wealthy was icky and dirty because that is truly what I was taught. I grew up in it. I grew up having, you know, the Olympic size pool in my backyard and a 10,000 square foot house with two full gourmet kitchens, you know, the whole, the whole bit. And it was not good and not happy. So buried underneath all this overachieving stuff or these limiting beliefs, which is why I kept hitting a a ceiling. I kept literally, I would actually feel my head hitting the ceiling that I've created myself. I just wasn't aware of it, where I just couldn't get past certain financial milestones. Or even worse, when I did, I had to trade my time for money or trade my sanity for money identical to my childhood.
1: Yeah, this makes perfect sense. So I'm going to use your words. You said for a while there, it felt as if having money was icky and dirty How did you overcome this in order to get past this limiting belief that was stopping you from going where you were really capable of going? Because obviously the underlying fear for those that are following along, the underlying fear was that if I too become this wealthy, then I'm going to be icky and dirty and probably pass on a life of abuse to other people. So how did you overcome this? What were the steps?
0: It wasn't a straightforward approach. I've had, you know, a lot of therapy um, to work through a lot of the stuff that you know happened in childhood, and then the stuff that I continue to do since then. But what I can pinpoint. Is when I was about 25 years old, um, and I'm out in the Calabasas, California area. For those of you guys who know um, SoCal, I was at the gym, and I really believe whatever you believe in, higher power, universe, God, whatever, does bring the right people into our lives at the right moment. And I met this um, gentleman who actually, to me, he had like the shaved head. He kind of looked almost like a Buddha type guy. <laughs> um, and we just started, you know, chatting when we'd be in the hot tub after our workouts, like nothing, you know, not like flirtatious or anything, but I was drawn to his energy and he was actually a teacher in manifestation and abundance mindset, um, you know, law of attraction type stuff, seek the secret, you know, that kind of thing. And he is who he really helped me uncover the layers of stuff. That I had all these beliefs and things that were layered upon layered for me to realize, oh my God, to make the connection what I was doing. Because I would literally say to him, what am I doing wrong? I don't get it. I got passed up for a promotion again. Or I don't get what happened. Like I almost hit my sales number, but I didn't hit it to get that big bonus. Like, I couldn't figure it out, but I was the problem, if that makes sense.
1: No, that makes perfect sense. And it's amazing how these people tend to show up in our life. And now you're showing up in other people's life doing the same thing. And people don't even realize they come across you in a numerous number of ways. And then they end up saying, oh my God, you know, thank God I met Tiffany because she broke me free of my um, limiting beliefs. And she broke me free of, of the dumb things that I'm doing in my business. And you really have this passion this passion for helping women become financially free and to do it faster and easier than you did. Is this what's driving it? Everything you've been through, you don't want that for other people or is something else driving it?
0: What's driving me is the key word here is freedom. I want people to feel free, not to feel tied to a corporate job, not even to feel tied to a company they created, to a man, to a woman, to a parent, to a sibling who is, you know, maybe giving them money or whatever it is. I want to help women find that freedom where they are free to do what they love and what they want and feel that sense of fulfillment and be empowered. And also that freedom of those limiting beliefs, because I am telling you guys, right before I hit 30 years old, okay, I had, there's one thing to make a million dollars a year in your business or whatever it is. It, it's what, for me, it's what you have in the bank, okay? Mm-hmm. And so by the time I was 30, I had I had a couple million in the bank. It was pretty impressive. I mean, at least I thought so, right? And it is impressive. It That's is. great. But because of these beliefs, these limiting beliefs, this low self-worth equals low net worth, right? I ended up hiring a financial advisor person who was came as a strong referral from someone who I admired and trusted. But I didn't do my own due diligence. I didn't pause. I didn't listen to my gut. Because of my low self-worth, my money noise was all wrapped up in it. And guess what? In three months, I lost three quarters of my entire net worth, all gone. Wow! Because I got into gold mining, Chris. (laughs) Oh,
1: my God. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. You have to expand on that a little bit.
0: Oh my God, I love, I, one of the things I use is laughter because if we can't laugh at ourselves and the stuff we've done, and then it's it's just not as fun. Right. So I, I, I do like laughing at things that have happened, but I wasn't laughing then, believe me. Give us the short version
1: then. of gold mining and what happened.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so like I said, this was someone who came highly referred by someone else. And one of the things that tends to happen Um, with people. But what happened with me is because my self-worth was really so low and it didn't matter how much I had in the bank or all these accolades I had, it didn't matter. My self-worth was low. So I didn't trust my gut. I didn't trust my intuition. I had stuff going on in my brain. Like, well, you don't really know that much, Tiffany. Like you just need to trust. I would over trust people way, way too much trust, blind trust without doing research. So I just I went with it. I didn't question any of his tactics, his wealth building strategies. I didn't question any of them. That's what I mean by blind faith. I mean that's that's not the kind of blind faith that uh, you know the spiritual people talk about. Yeah. This is irresponsible, lack of self worth, uh, blind faith. And so I knew that I was buying multiple gold mines, like actually the whole gold mine. Um, That's I knew, crazy. and I think I had a couple silver. Mines <laughs> <laughs> I,
1: I, is, was this a scam or was this just a really um, dumb decision? Bad advice. It was. It
0: was. It truly. It was. It was a scam. It was a scam because at that time, and I know you get this because you have a financial background. You know, there's certain products that financial advisors can get you to buy into where they get a bigger commission on. Yep. Okay. And at that time gold was the thing. The gold, the metals were the thing.
1: Physical so, gold, physical, physical metal. Yeah. Right. And, right. And like, just so the listeners know today, it's still that same way. They can sell you quote, physical gold without any of the regulations that other financial advisors have to go through.
0: There you go. And so I, I wasn't like a complete dummy in the sense intellectually. I knew that was like a hot thing to do, but that was all of the actual research I did was, oh, I know that's a hot thing to do. I didn't go any further than that. And he ended up investing you know, most all my money into these things and then gold. I mean, you can even you know go back and look at the history of what happens with metals and it took a huge plummet and I lost everything, and then it wasn't recoverable. I won't go into all the details, but was it a scam? Yes. Would I have had a very hard time legally going after this person? Yes. So It was a highly smart scam. (laughs)
1: Well, the important part of the story is this, and this is what I want everyone to to, to grab from this. You made that decision against your intuition because your self-worth was not high enough to think your intuition was valuable enough to make a decision. And I hope that's the part of the story that everybody grabbed out of that.
0: Bingo. That's
1: exactly what it was. So we already know what was holding you back. And you work with entrepreneurs all the time. What do you see as the common thread that's holding most other entrepreneurs back?
0: What's interesting is is my first company that I still have, TLC Enterprises, that is working um, predominantly with corporations and large corporations in the pharmaceutical medical space. That's a very different business model and very different daily conversations than what I have with Project Me with Tiffany Carter. I'm I'm talking mostly to individuals, you know, business owners, and so I I, I what I thought would be what would hold people back initially? Which is why I tell people don't assume. I was wrong. I thought it was would be more about people's strategies are misaligned or they don't have that much business knowledge or entrepreneurial knowledge. Nope. Ninety nine percent of the time, it's mindset.
1: Wow. And what kind of mindset? Be specific.
0: I call it um, I call it poverty thinking. Uh, you could call it you know, just limiting money beliefs that stem all the way back from childhood or maybe they were in a toxic marriage and things were said repeatedly like, oh, all you care about is money or money doesn't grow on trees or we can't afford that. And it's been buried over so many layers that people aren't even aware that those exist. And therefore, they self-sabotage themselves over and over again. I witnessed them doing it, starting to do it with me. But I'm thank God I'm able to see it, but it's hard for people to see that they have those limiting beliefs around money, but they are really they can be really deeply buried in there.
1: Yeah, and you help them see that. Give me an example of somebody that you worked with, like what was holding her back and what did you guys do to get her out of it? Because I want people to find themselves in other people's stories.
0: Ooh, I have a really good one that it even it surprised me and reminded me of the power of beliefs and what they can do to us. Not that, not that I didn't already have a good example of my own. Um, so this individual I worked with, um, she was doing everything right to where I was scratching my brain. Like, I don't really know how I can help this person. I mean, really had an excellent strategy excellent product excellent delivery i mean i was i was really impressed in fact i was like i should hire this person <laughs> and so i'm like i don't really know how i can help this person but and then i was baffled like how are they stuck like, why are they not making any more than a hundred thousand dollars a year? Like this person has it all. They have it. They have it more than other people I see out there that are making millions. Very bizarre. So fortunately, you know, I take the time. If my sessions with people are two and a half hours on a call, on a you know, on a Zoom call or Skype, that's what it takes sometimes for people to get kind of tired, and then you kind you see their subconscious shit come out. Uh. So what it. What it turned out, it's almost kind of like a uh, get them past all the bullshit
1: stories, yeah, and then they finally yeah. get real because you wear them down.
0: And it takes a long time, but I'm willing to spend that time because it it's really life changing. And what we finally found out is this person um, felt guilty making more than their father made, who prided himself on being, you know, the Provider. caretaker of the family, and like. In his family, everyone looked up to him. Like he made the most of anyone in the family, so he was the most successful. And if she surpassed that, she would take his "quote unquote," you know, his title, his sense of worth, his uh, his everything. In fact, she even said his reason for living away.
1: Whoa! I mean, that'll limit anybody, right? Because you hold your parents on a pedestal, and you don't want to let them down. It's so funny because we do so many things to just not hurt somebody else. So we're willing to hurt ourselves instead. Isn't that crazy and messed up?
0: It really is. And that's what I asked her. I said, would your father want to see you hurting and, ang- and in such anguish day after day over this? I mean, as much as your dad, let's just say, let's just say, I call it like he's a narcissist or his ego. Is that really attached? Would he want to see his baby girl really be that miserable and spend the rest of your life being this miserable and unfulfilled just so he can reign in that title. Like, do you know this to be absolutely certain as a fact?
1: Wow. And that broke her free.
0: It, it did. It broke her free. Believe- and then we went, we went on for her to have the conversation with him, right? Because we, our brains need proof. Otherwise, we can fill it with a bunch of lies and assumptions. We're very clever and deceptive with ourselves. So I always say the best way to cut through limiting beliefs is with facts. Facts Facts-based. Facts will trump out and block out all of those weird, usually untrue beliefs that we
1: have. That is so true. It's so well said. So you've got this passion for helping women become financially free. and, And obviously, we've learned a little bit what holds you back and what's holding some of them back. What are some of the most obvious steps that people can do to get their business like just hitting on all cylinders that they're not doing? Is there like low-hanging fruit that you typically clean up for people?
0: Oh, yeah. Um, I mean... I can't call mindset low-hanging fruit, but a lot of people see it as low-hanging fruit. I love using analogies. And so my analogy to mindset work to most people is like stretching at the gym.
1: <laughs> I love most- this. Something, by the way, I just told Lori, I need to do way more because I'm hurting. Okay, keep going. <laughs>
0: so, so, you know, people do a spin class and then they like shower and go home or whatever. They don't want to take the 10 minutes to stretch, which would alleviate them of so much pain that have so such better flexibility and feel better in life in general yet how many of us skip it all the time so that's what I say mindset is to your business and your life so mindset is key but some of the some of the more like I guess you could say low-hanging strategies that people overlook it's, who is in your life, who is in your life, who is in your business. Do you have your like Aunt Susie um, doing your social media
1: because she's free? Oh my God. So many people do this.
0: Yeah. Or do you have, or do you have maybe, you know, a sister who graduated with a marketing degree from a great school handling, you know, all of your website and your sales funnel and all of your, your emails even though she ha- she has a degree and she's in marketing but she actually has no experience in a digital business model. Yeah. So that's that's usually those are the cleanups, you know, you could call it reorganization or whatever. Those are usually the cleanups that that have to be done that are slowly sucking the life out of a company that I see.
1: The convenient hires, not the right hires.
0: Yeah, and I get it because I've done it too or I I call it pity hires. I've hired, mm. you know, I've hired, you know, acquaintances or, you know, you know, offspring of friends where someone needed a job. It's like, yeah, the pity hires don't work either. They end up biting you.
1: They totally don't. You think you're doing someone a favor, you're hurting yourself. And when the romantic period of, yay, you helped me out, gave me a job, wears off, you're actually hurting them too. You really are. So those pity hires are a disaster. Stay away from them. I think we all, it's almost like a rite of passage. Everybody has to do a, a pity hire and realize it's not worth it. And then they, they learn their lesson. So I want to switch modes because when I was going through rapid fire before, one of the things that you said meant a lot to you is working with children of the night uh, that addresses trafficking and supporting that cause. And obviously you've been very successful. And now you're just like my tagline says, when good people make good money, they do great things. What role has generosity played in your success and why is this important to you?
0: Well, I used to be Chris, someone who was very focused on like the bottom line. Like really, it was me myself and I. I want to make this amount of money so I can buy this and have this and have this bag and this condo and this whatever. I was I was so fixated on that and anytime I hit those financial milestones, it didn't really I didn't really feel anything because there was really no substance behind it. I don't know, chalk it up to my ego or immaturity or whatever it is. Um, but it was once I started um, giving back and not just money but time. I mean, I gotta say a lot of wonderful nonprofit organizations, yes, they need they need money. They need donors. They have to have that. But what they also really need are people's time. And they're usually lacking and having, you know, volunteers and helping with time. So I give both my time and my money to organizations that I'm really passionate about. And it lights me up. So on those days that are just crap, and by the way... There's a lot of crap days when you're an entrepreneur or just days where you're like, I don't feel like doing all this, but you have to do it. Maybe you didn't sleep well, whatever it is. And what gets me through those days, or sometimes it's a full week where I feel like that. I don't know why. I don't. Something's rubbing me the wrong way. What gets me through that is I remember my greater purpose. Imagine if I didn't... Um, donate my time and go and talk to these girls who were literally sex trafficked, some by their own parents on the streets of LA. Jeez. I mean, and they're in a safe house, which it looks like a regular house. You'd have no idea in order to keep them safe from the pimps and they have no self-worth, just like I had no self-worth. And so- what if you know? What if I? What if I didn't make enough money in those milestones to be able to afford to take the time to spend a day or a weekend doing that? So that's what gets me through all of those times where I'm kind of you know doing stuff I don't want to, or just you know having an off day or week. Is is the greater purpose here? If we don't pay it forward. There's no way organizations like this, nor our society society for that matter, can thrive. It's not possible.
1: I totally agree. You know, I would say like if we all did our part and played as big as we can possibly play, there'd be enough money, there'd be enough solutions, there'd be enough everything to solve every single problem out there. What comes up for you when I say that?
0: I completely agree. I, I couldn't agree more. And it's, again, not enough just to give big sums of money, although... They do need the money. They also need people giving genuine time, not time out of guilt, like I'm gonna go to the soup kitchen for Thanksgiving because I kind of feel bad. Like genuine, consistent, dedicated time. Oh my God, everything would be so much further along. It'd be, ugh,
1: be beautiful. Who's been generous to you that's kind of helped you get where you're going?
0: That's a great, you ask great questions. Wow. <laughs> Thank you. That's. I don't, I've never... I've never been asked that. You know what? I've more so had people be generous with me with their time and acts of service than I have money, Um, maybe because I took care of that part on my own, so to speak. But I've had wonderful um, mentors and friends be very generous with taking time to listen to me, taking time, helping me with something, helping me with something I didn't know I need help with. And they just did it anyway with truly not wanting anything in return for me. And that makes me feel more loved and appreciated than anything else, than any check could.
1: I love that. Tell me about your favorite moment of giving. Give me one that you can recall.
0: My favorite moment of giving involves time. And you guys have heard me use the word time now, like 25 times. Oh, there's another one. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's giving of time. I really love working with individuals, especially like preteens and teens. I really feel I have a knack for speaking their language and understanding. And coming from that space and helping them see that they are worth more, you know, their self-worth isn't based upon what what has happened to them, what people have made them do, even if those people are their own, you know, parents, you know, uh, helping them see their worth and, you know, it doesn't happen in one time, obviously, but seeing it over time and then maybe, you know, a few weeks later I see them and they're putting on some lip gloss, you know, or you know or they did their you know they did their hair or maybe they even like wrote me a nice letter you can just tell when someone's starting to feel better about themselves they they hold themselves a little you know a little taller and there's to me there's no there's no better gift than that. Um, I'm giving the gift back of what I wish I had for myself at
1: that age. Mm, I love that. And you know, it's funny when you clarified, look at me talking about time again, look at me talking about time again. If you're not your own boss and if you're not already totally financially free, which you are, then you don't have the time and the energy to give, do you? Nope. Like if you're living paycheck to paycheck, it's not just that you don't have extra money to give. It's that you're so damn stressed out and you're so buried in in your own shit that you're you're no good for somebody else who actually needs you. What comes up for you when I say that?
0: You're completely right, even in our own personal relationships. Even if you're, you know, bringing in a ton of money and you're making your, you know, whatever it is, your your whole family or your spouse or whatever, they're having a a great life, but you're never around because you're so stressed or you're working 12 hours a day. I've done that, by the way. Not fun. How would I even have it in my brain to even go to a charity dinner. I can't tell you how many things like that I turned down. You know what I said? I don't have time or I'm exhausted. Oh. Gross. I mean, that's gross, but I I mean, truly it is kind of gross. I yeah. mean, when I look back, it's like I don't have time, I'm exhausted, but I I mean, I had the means to and I didn't. Like shame on me, you know. And I I've, I've changed, you know. I'm in a Tiffany 2.0 now, right? But it's like If I have the luxury that I've created for myself to be able to have the time and the energy in order to give to others, then I have to give it. There's no other option.
1: You called yourself Tiffany 2.0 and you're talking about this new, better giving version of yourself. What could somebody have said to Tiffany 1.0 that would have helped you realize the importance of giving and kind of snapped you into this sooner?
0: truly it's what you it's what you teach chris and i'm not i'm not just saying that cuz i'm on your show you know like it's it's what you're saying it's the the art of giving when you when you give it comes back to you for for me to understand that and to hear examples of that would have really helped me i thought That I had to work myself to the bone to achieve a certain number in my bank account, then I would take one fifth of what's in my bank account and donate it to a charity Mm. versus doing it along the way. Do you see what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And that's such that's a good wake-up call. That's such a good like structuring of perspective for everybody else that's out there listening. Like whether you're a big giver right now or you don't give shit right now or anything in between, it's in the giving. That's going to make you actually realize your real tangible value, and that's kind of where you're at today. I feel like I'm starting to get the gist from you that your real deepest value comes from the impact you're able to get when you give time, and you see her finally putting on lip gloss and having a higher uh, self worth, which is going to lead to a higher net worth.
0: Totally. And the thing is, a lot I get asked from people, you know, why don't you have, why don't you have a course, Tiffany, or why don't you have? this or that cuz they're not seeing like where i you know how i'm monetizing project me. I get asked a lot of questions from people who i do work with. Well, my priority is giving first, but i created that luxury for myself. Mm. My this is my prior priority. I'm able to afford all the things i want in life and give first. It's my priority. I'm in it for the long game. I'm not in it for some quick hit. I would rather play the long game, and if it takes me five years longer because I've given so much, I trust that I'll have a 100x return on that.
1: <laughs> I love that. I love that. So before I ask you the final question, I actually want to find out where can we find you, and how do we tap into your coaching? Like, How do we get a piece of this?
0: So the best platform to find me on is Instagram at Project Me with Tiffany. But I also hang out on Facebook, same Project Me with Tiffany. The best way is just to message me, you know, private message me, DM me, and start a conversation with me. That way I can see really your level of interest in having, you know, having assistance to get, to getting where you want to go. And then of course we'll you know we'll hop on the phone and see if we're a good fit good fit for one another. And if not, I always will refer you to someone who I think might be a better fit for you. But that's really the best way. And I answer all of my DMs. There's no question. That's stupid. You don't have to make millions of dollars to have the right to ask me a question. You have the right to ask me a question if you're a million dollars in debt. In fact, you better ask (laughs) me a question. That's
1: when you better ask a question. You have a great (laughs) Instagram, by the way. I love it. Thanks. (laughs) So my question is this. I love the diversity of answers I get. Why should... People be unapologetic about their pursuit of wealth and or success.
0: Because we were put on this earth to experience great abundance and joy. We weren't put here to live paycheck to paycheck or live in a mediocre space or to feel ho-hum or, you know, we weren't, we weren't put here for that. Like you're wasting, you're wasting a life. We are put here to be abundant and you have an abundant life. You can then help more people have that abundant life. It, It really is a domino effect, but I get that you have to uncover those limiting beliefs in that way, but just know it's actually selfish to not live an abundant life for that very reason. If I played small and just kind of went kind of the easy, the easy way in life and played it safe, I wouldn't be able to help the people that I help. That sounds pretty selfish, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, it totally does. What a great perspective. It's selfish to not play all out, like to just stay comfortable and to not do what you're put here to do because then everybody else is suffering that you would have touched. Yep. I freaking love it. Tiffany, I can't thank you enough. You're, you're, the value that you add is is off the charts. And whether they're following you on Instagram or whether it's in our conversations, whether it's in your podcast. By the way, where do they find your podcast again?
0: Podcast is everywhere that there's a podcasting platform. It's Project Me with Tiffany Carter, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, all the places. And I have on a variety of guests who are at different stages in business. So from people who are. St- side hustling, who have just transitioned their side hustle to full-time, people who are multimillionaires like Chris. I have all different levels so that you guys can relate and learn at different spaces along the journey.
1: Mm, That's so good. So they can find themselves somewhere in someone's journey on there instead of having to be at one particular place. Anyhow, thank you so much. Tiffany, you're the best. I totally appreciate it. And uh, just have pure gratitude for everything that you offered. Thanks, Chris.